Yes, Adam. I bet you're not going to be able to find sound effects for where we're recording from this week. Coming to you almost live from the Robo Ice Capades, this is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. <laughs> and I forced him to say that. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Uh, joining us in the studio today is the president of Canadian University Press, Mr. Rob Fishbook. And Michael Kendrick, the editor-in-chief of The Gateway, and the Canadian University Press National Conference Coordinator. Guys, thanks for coming into the studio today. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, talk, say it, do it. You can't can't nod because this is basically (laughs) internet radio. You can't make facial expressions? You guys haven't gone video podcast You can make facial expressions, but our listeners can't see them. Mike is frowning right now. Now he's sad. Now he's angry. Put the knife down, Mike. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, um, some of the things we want to talk about uh, in this show is because uh, we spoke with uh, online editor of the Edmonton Journal, Karen Unland, in one of our episodes, and we're discussing the death of newspapers. And this obviously concerns uh, Canadian University Press, which we'll hear for to be called CUP for the rest of the show, to save everyone time and aggravation. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about where the student press is moving in terms of technology, in terms of coverage and all that good stuff. And then we want to talk to you guys about the conference that you've planned that's taking place in Edmonton probably about a week from the, no, less than a week from when you hear this podcast. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, first things first, I know that you don't, well, I referred to myself in a bio that I sent Mike recently as a social media apologist. And I know that Mike has been, if correct me if I'm wrong, a social media skeptic. In a lot of ways, is it fair to say that? that that's accurate. Okay, and uh, and so I'm I, I'm going to put it to both of you, uh, being a skeptic, and I don't know how, what your feelings are on social media, Rob, but you can share that with us in a moment. Um, does social media have a, an important role in the student press from here on in? I think it has uh, less of a role than is being made out to be, but I still think it has a place. Um, I, I I don't think that the distinction of being student media necessarily removes it or sets it apart from any other branch of the media, be that newspapers or television or radio or whatever. Um, I, I think that, you know, there, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And just like with every new idea or technology or whatever you want to call it, people are still figuring out what works and what doesn't. And there's a lot of gimmicks out there right now. You know, people are trying to find out ways to, to profit on it, just like they did with newspapers, just like they did with TV and radio. And, you know, you have, you have to strike that balance, right? And that's kind of what we're hoping to explore in the conference uh, coming up. Sweet. That was long, that answer. Excellent. What about you, Rob? Are you a fan of the social media, the Twitters and the blogospheres and whatnot? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and I'm on most of this stuff and I, I seem to get there about six months after everybody else still, which isn't probably where we should be at COP, but um, we're getting on board and we're trying to figure out, just like everybody else is, um, how to use this stuff and how to make it work. And I think, you know, maybe it's not the role of the student press to figure out how to make that work, but, you know, chances are they're going to be the ones who are there first and helping to define some of this. True. Um, so 
yeah, I think in the long run, the student press is going to be the people who are using this and hopefully figuring out how to make some money off it so that everybody else can and we can all have jobs in 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. I was thinking like 10. I was thinking like tomorrow, yeah. (laughs) When we're talking about social media, um, um, I I typically am referring to the broadcast media like Twitter because because for us, uh, for the Unknown Studio, it has been terribly effective means of promotion. Now, um, Mike is the editor-in-chief of The Gateway. I'm sure that uh, the, the, the way that The Gateway broadcasts, obviously, is in print and to uh, an increasingly greater extent uh, online. You guys have a great website, thegatewayonline.ca. You should check it out so that you guys cover a lot of the campus stuff. But are, So are students making the transition from reading the paper gateway to, to coming to the website, do you think? It's been slow but sure, um, especially in the last, I'd say, 18 months. We've been seeing a somewhat steady decline in our print readership, mm-hmm. which alarmed us at first for obvious reasons. Um, and we've been seeing a slightly slower rise in our online readership, but we're it's starting to pick up now, especially this year. Um, and we haven't necessarily been doing anything revolutionary with our website, which leads us to believe that, you know, students especially are just moving towards this different way of consuming media. So yeah. we're giving them that option. And I'm assuming, Rob, that a lot of cup papers, and, and it probably is mostly newspapers at this point, because it was back in the day when, when I was working for cup. It was mostly just newspapers. We didn't have any... Uh, well, I think actually it was just supposed to be a newspaper co-op, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we still are, and we get the odd blog here and there. Yeah. Um, but most of them, you know, go a couple of years and then tend to fold over when that person leaves. Yeah. But So do you see a lot of your members moving, uh, starting to do, let's say, innovative stuff with online? Um, you know, f- uh, exclusive online features, you know, read the newspaper but get the get the rest of the scoop online kind of thing? Well, honestly, it's it's steadily getting there. I mean, it's been interesting. I've been around the student press for about seven years now. And, you know, when I started at the Fulcrum at the University of Ottawa, we had a website which was awful to look at. And basically, we just dumped all the print content there. So it was like, oh, hey, you know, if you want to read the paper, still read the paper, but we put it online because it's the thing to do. Yeah. And then what you saw maybe two, three years ago was a lot of papers sort of dump their original sites and start doing something a little newer, a little more cutting edge. But for the most part, it was still just the same stuff that was in the newspaper that was going online and nothing fresh or new. You know, maybe the stories that didn't make it into the paper would be put up there as supplements, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's usually the C-grade stuff. <laughs> yeah. But now over the last year is when papers are really starting to try new things. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of new technology out there that papers are starting to use. Um, they're sort of live blogging on their websites. They're putting in Twitter feeds where people can post up there a lot more commenting's going on uh, even just like uh, video I mean you know there's YouTube out there but there's also stuff like uh, live stream yeah uh, where you can just sort of like you know put a live broadcast up of whatever's going on at student elections that sort of thing people are really getting into it and um, especially with all the the new content management systems that are out there now um, especially like a lot of people jumped on on WordPress yeah and uh, cups got our own which I can tell you about a little bit more later Actually, you curious. guys were you're launching your new uh, content management system at the conference. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about that later because it sounds pretty exciting. Um, yeah, we'll get to that a little a little bit later on. Um, I actually had a question. Go for it. Um, and I'm going to put this out to both of you, but it, it ties into what we were just talking about. 
Uh, I know that just even in my tenure at the Gateway that uh, I saw the creation of a uh, of an online editor position, which is just a few years old, and I can only assume that that position is is getting more important as uh, the social media landscape kind of evolves. Is that do you think that that's going to be the case basically for such a position? just kind of across the board in the future, not even just in student journalism, in journalism. Do you think the, the online editor and various online editor positions are going to be like where the future lies? That their position in the hierarchy is going to get more important as the years go on? Definitely, yeah. Um, I was actually surprised to find out that a lot of papers in CUP still don't have anything as far as an online editor goes or even, you know, a a lower level position like at the gateway it started off as the online coordinator it was just a pilot project it was initially a volunteer thing and it's expanded into a full-fledged editor position and it has become more important um both to have somebody on the technical side of things to manage you know the the coding and basically everything that's outside the realm of traditional journalistic training and somebody to kind of have that sense of how to do it right um because like i said earlier you have to be careful of a lot of the gimmicky ways of putting your content online and having somebody who's kind of an expert at you know on how to do content right is uh, is definitely helpful i think that was the gateway's big problem when i was working there was like you mentioned rob we were basically dumping the newspaper online not giving much thought to the well at the time user experience didn't matter like the 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 web was relatively young and we're talking about five years ago five six years ago um and um the fact that you guys have hired an online editor and someone who knows how to deal with the real technical sides of things and not only that but i happen to know the gateways online editor is also an enthusiast an enthusiastic journalist himself he's mm -hmm. into what's happening on campus and he's very passionate about that um but i don't remember where i was going with this <laughs> <laughs> Probably somewhere important. Probably something to do with Star Trek. So yeah, um, I guess I guess we can get into sort of talking about. I want to know about Canadian University Press's proprietary content management system. Uh, I want to know what it's about, why it's awesome, and I want to know how your members get access to it. So give us your pitch. All right. So there's a lot of content management systems out there, and I mean WordPress is one of the bigger ones. Uh, there's Drupal, I think the gateways on Drupal, and they really are great projects, but they're not really built for student newspapers. I mean, you know, with WordPress especially, uh, it's sleek and it's fun and you can make it do stuff, but you kind of got to hack the shit out of it to make it do what you want. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of came into this, and uh, we it's a joint project with Campus Plus, which is Canadian University Press's advertising firm. They sell uh, advertising for all the student newspapers. They happen to have some tech enthusiasts on board, and they have an interest in this because better student newspapers means the possibility of selling ads online. Yeah. So for a couple of years, they'd, they'd been trying to do these content management system projects, and the technology just wasn't there. But with what's been going on the last year, last six months especially, with so many CMSs and so many new bloggers, we decided it was time to really, really push on this. So uh, we came out. It's called Hot Ink, which is our, our fancy buzzword for, for the project. Also uh, a good name for a tattoo parlor. Mm -hmm. Just throwing it out there. Um, and basically what it is, is it's, it's built to work exactly with student newspapers. I mean, we've been, you know, working on content management systems for a while, a lot longer than most people have been familiar with what they are. 
Um, we've been working with The Wire, and we know the business of student newspapers. So it's really easy for us to figure out what they want, what sort of categories they need in there, the easiest way for them to get that news onto their website and out so that all the editors can participate, so that everybody can get it up there. Um, and the big thing that our project sort of has that a lot of other content management systems don't is the integration with the Cup Newswire. The Newswire just launched uh, on Hot Inc. Uh, at the start of January, and from now on, whenever a paper wants to incorporate uh, a Cup News piece from The Wire onto their website, um, it's click and drag. Uh, really? You integrate it right in. Everything that they put up on their Newswire, or sorry, on their personal websites, gets shunted to the cup wire, and they can pick and choose, but... Yeah, so this is only, I mean, uh, click and drag for hot ink CMSs the newspapers are using, right? Mm -hmm. That's cool. So is it similar? Have you guys uh, used Mashable at all? So Mashable.com is like the social media website, how they do news and stuff like that on social media. If you find content on there that you can like, like an image or a video, you can literally drag it. So you click and drag, and then this little menu appears, and you can share it over email, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Dig, Delicious, whatever. And uh, it's sort of, you just drag it onto one of those icons and it goes. Is that similar? Um, sort of. Like, basically, you get the list of the news and you can check out a story. And when you check it out, it shunts it into your, your actual website list. Uh, from there, um, the interface to put things on and decide what's going to be on your features page and what's going to be all over the front page is just a drag and drop. That's awesome. That sounds really cool. Now, um, have you guys built in this is I'm sorry our 20s of readers might find this boring but I love this web stuff so um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna press on um, reporting wise analytics wise does it do anything special uh, in that sense like does it allow Canadian University Press to see who's pulling the wire content yeah it absolutely does and that's a great thing to know because um you know, it helps us figure out things within CUP, like with the Alberta Bureau Chief or the, the Regional Bureau Chiefs, we can see, you know, if their stories are getting played sort of all across the region or if it's just, you know, very um, city-specific. Mm -hmm. um, so we can track all of that stuff. And I, I should mention, you know, before we get into any further into talking about this, that the project is brand new. And ongoing, of course. Yeah, and um, so there are still holes and bugs and problems that we're fixing, just like any tech project. And as we go on, we're adding new features constantly. So there's certain things that, you know, it's like, really? You know, it's a tech project and you don't have this? Well, it's coming. It's yeah. all coming. Yeah. So you, do you, how, how big is the, uh, the roadmap for feature development? Is it massive, like reams and reams of paper? Kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little through the roof. Um, like uh, our, our tech guys that are working on the project, uh, there's two of them we have in-house that work for Campus Plus and mm -hmm. are taking on this project uh, almost exclusively. And uh, <laughs> I, I think we're probably going to burn them out before we get to the end of this roadmap. Oh, dear. Oh dear. There's so many features that we'd like to have built right in. Yeah. And when we do, we really want to make it so that it's in there and it's simple and it's easy and it's not... You know, you have to go and figure out how to put that chunk of code in yourself. And, and, and you know, there's no possible way that somebody who's n unfamiliar with tech stuff will ever be able to figure it out. Yeah. So. That sounds awesome. I wish we'd had something like that when we were at the paper. But it literally was like copy story from design template, paste story in. Don't even change. Because you know how uh, Unicode characters get all messed up when yeah. you paste them from like a, from Word even? And it would be like, don't even bother going in and fixing the Unicode characters. So then you'd wind up publishing this thing that had weird line breaks, and who cares? It's online. Someone can search for it. I will go on record saying the old Gateway site was ugly as hell. Oh, yeah. Ugly as hell. Boring. It was not a nice website. No. It was not user-friendly. It was but don't bizarrely put together. It was, it was 
it was actually a chore to read the gateway online yep. uh, until the new website yeah, I know. But, you know, we didn't have the resources to direct to it at the time, and it wasn't a priority. Print-wise, when I was there and a few years afterwards, I think, the the newspaper circulation was still outstanding. Like, it, literally, it's amazing to think that literally five years ago things started to change, but only five years ago. And it seems like it was a million years ago that, you know, newspapers have been dying forever. Well, no, they haven't. Well, and you even mentioned earlier uh, that five years ago the Internet was young. Like, yeah. how, how bizarre is that, that things have come so far in five years that the entire tech landscape has, has changed just within that interval? Well, the fact that people are still using Hotmail email addresses that say, like, pinkcandygirl underscore 76 is indicative of the age of the Internet. I, I expect that, that at some point, you know, people are going to be like, eh, maybe I'll just use my, my name for an email address. Or I was, switch to Gmail. Or it's, yeah, switch to Gmail. <laughs> I was prescient enough just... My first email address, I think, was like... It was like Time time Bandit 12 or something like that. I was just like... <laughs> and, and in relation to, to the game, Time Bandit, I think there was a game or a movie or something. Anyways, I think there was a movie. I, I think it was a Terry Gilliam No movie. relation. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to throw that in there because I like time and... I don't know. I think I was stoned. And uh, notably, you were fast enough on the draw that you were only the 12th time bandit so well, there you go yeah there there are many time bandits and and time lords <laughs> i don't know if any of you are doctor who fans but uh scott is i sure am but we are totally off topic mm. so we should get back to student journalism yeah and and uh <laughs> what, what did i ask karen when we had her on our student newspapers f-ed. are you guys just totally screwed no the answer is no obviously because you're moving stuff online when when I was I'll I'll let you answer a question in a moment when I was uh, when I was working at the Gateway, um, we prided ourselves on being able to do some of the things that news mainstream newspapers couldn't, and typically it seemed like the only thing we'd ever brag about was we can swear, we can say shit in the newspaper, and we can say <laughs> in and the newspaper, we, and we did, <laughs> and we did frequently. But nowadays, I would hope my hope is that the you know, young minds, student journalists, talented developers or people who just like dabbling in that kind of thing are going to do stuff in the student press that will trickle up into mainstream, the mainstream press. That's my hope. I don't know if you guys are seeing that kind of thing take place. And if you are, can you give me some examples? Which actually segues into the question I was going to ask, which is, do you think student journalists are more important nowadays than they were five years ago do you think that the people who are who are learning journalism today are really going to be the people innovating next year the year after are going to be the leaders of a new entirely new media landscape well i think there's always been that kind of expectation in the student media landscape it's that you know students are the ones who get the sandbox they get they get to play around they get to you know go and pioneer new territory in journalism and I don't, I don't think that has necessarily changed radically because of the internet or because of any kind of new media or anything. Um, but I do think that the way in which it's expected is sort of starting to shift um, simply because uh, the traditional journalism career in general is starting to shift. Um, you're getting a lot of people moving away from the attitude of 
you have to, you know, go, go in, you get your, your bachelor in journalism, then you, you, you go to J school and you study, you know, in informal reporting techniques and whatnot. And then you go and you do an internship at a paper and then you get employed there, you know, rinse and repeat, right? Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of organizations are, I hope, starting to move away from, you know, it, from the attitude that if they if they don't see J, J, J school on your resume, then they won't even give you an interview. Um, and th- that's an attitude that's sort of come up more frequently at recent cup conferences. And we're actually holding a panel at, uh, at this year's conference. Uh, not is journalism school worth it, but is pursuing a traditional journalism career worth it? Um, just because there's so many more options these days. And, so to, to answer your question, I guess, um, I, I don't think that uh, students are necessarily any more important, uh, I guess, in a, in a quantifiable way, just in a, in a different qualitative sort of way. I, I completely agree with that. And uh, sort of the stance that, that COP is taking when it comes to the downfall of the newspaper industry is that we don't think journalism itself is is dying. I mean, there will always be a market out there for well-written pieces and people who can actually write. It's just the format of the newspaper that is shifting, changing, you know, really sort of redefining itself. At the end of the day, I mean, Pink Candy Girl at Hotmail.com, you know, her long diatribe on sex in the city filled with grammatical inaccuracies isn't going to get as much traction as, you know, a well-thought-out news story online well, i think i think that good good research and good reporting are the hallmarks of good news stories good features and that kind of thing but the resources required to conduct that research and in the, and to a lesser extent i suppose to teach yourself to write effectively which in my opinion takes practice and a lot of reading you have to be able to read other people's stuff and understand the nuances of language to be a really outstanding writer to be the, the kind of writer that people look at and go holy shit this this dude or this gal can really write um but now that the tools of research and the tools of authorship are because we've talked about this before mike are are cheap and free i mean whether wikipedia is as accurate as the, the encyclopedia britannica or not is probably a discussion for one of your your student journalism panels at the conference but uh it it definitely increases the competition and and one of the things that i've noticed among um uh some journalists i shouldn't say all but some people feel like they're under threat from you know some illegitimate bastard child or bastardization of journalism that media like blogs and that sort of thing like publishing software uh allow people to do so so some of the older folks, uh, and I don't mean old folks, but I mean the the more seasoned veteran journalisms who are coming to the ends of their careers are probably a little bit worried about wh- where their craft is going because any old dude can write a story and publish it and tell people to read it, and you know what? He might get 100, 200, a couple thousand readers. Um, Hell, even I'm worried about that these days. <laughs> are you? In in a sense. Um, I, th- I think, yeah, the quality control issue is still huge and it's only getting bigger and not because i mean you know you, you we could get into a, a huge discussion about whether or not you know wikipedia is as accurate as um encyclopedia britannica um i, I don't think that's necessarily the focus of it I, I think it's more so that it's 
it's giving false hope to a, a lot of people who think that, you know, just because I can throw a blog up there and just because I can, you know, bring a recorder to an accident that, um, that, that I'm suddenly a journalist, right? And there's definitely a place for, I, I guess you'd call it citizen journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that it's going to replace traditional journalism. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But I think that there are some writers and they probably wouldn't call themselves journalists. Uh, one of the best examples I can think of of a successful writer who's managed to monetize in a big way what she does is uh, Heather Armstrong, who runs Deuce.com. It's a, just a website about her family, but the way she writes is astonishingly good. She's a very talented writer. And, um, and she has found a way, both her and her husband, to make a tremendous amount of money off of what they do. And uh, and then they run into a backlash, right? I mean, not a backlash from journalists who are like, you know, you're stealing my money, but a backlash from readers who are saying, so here's the other side of it. You're revealing too much about yourself and your personal life, and you're capitalizing on it, so you must be a bad person. How do you guys feel about that kind of thing? I mean, th- now we're moving away from reporting on the news mm-hmm. and into... That's what social media is, sharing parts of your lives. I don't see newspapers doing that. I don't see online. I don't see the Edmonton Journal doing that. I don't see the Gateway doing that. But have you guys thought about that? You have blogs. Yeah. I I, I think that if there's a market for it, then why not? Like, let it happen organically. Like, if 10,000 people are on Twitter posting about what they had for breakfast and nobody else gives a fuck, then you know, why waste your time? But if somebody is posting a thousand word, really detailed and well-written review on what they had for breakfast and, you know, people, people are actually reading it if, if they're making it entertaining and they're making it good, then, then why not? Um, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's similar to the attitude that one of our keynotes is taking, uh, Jesse Thorne, who does, uh, who's from MaximumFun.org. He does uh, several podcasts, uh, The Sound of Young America and Jordan Jesse Go. Um, and yeah, he, he takes that kind of attitude in a lot of what he puts out. Uh, the, the speech that he pitched to me is that, you know, these days getting a, a job uh, in journalism is, it's hard, frankly. He's, he's never been... Uh, you know, formally employed by any kind of media organization. And instead, he just went out there and he started making his own content and he put something out there that people wanted. He he, fa- he found a niche, he, he found a market for it, and he's just, he's doing good stuff. And now he has tens of thousands of listeners on his weekly podcast. So I think, yeah, if, if there's a market for it, then why not? But is there a place for that kind of content in the... In the gateway, on the gateway online, do you think? There could be. Yeah. Um, the gateway is probably one of the slowest moving newspapers in Cup. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, w- <laughs> the old guard clings hard and fast to a lot of the traditions that have been set up years ago and are frankly starting to become outdated. But um, <laughs> do you stand among the old guard? <laughs> I, I'm kind of a fence sitter. I'm I'm caught in between uh, the the old school training from even those of your era, and then all, all of the all the new kids are coming in. I'm old enough to have an era. The, the Rosenhart era. Every, every editor <laughs> yeah, in chief gets his own era. Bullshit. Come on. <laughs> My era was a Star Trek obsessed era. By the way, here's a question for you: Do you think Lieutenant Commander Data would have been more popular if he had been called a mandroid instead of an android? Maybe with the ladies only. Think about it. Anyways, to your point. 
Uh, I was going to ask about what kinds of, um, let's say, new media, social media content the Gateway's trying to move into, if any. Have you guys talked about doing podcasting? Have you talked about streaming, for example, the uh, the um, the political debates that take place during student union elections? Have you guys thought about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff? Uh, we've we haven't just thought about it. We've actually done it. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, well, um, forgive my ignorance. Please, <laughs> please uh, share your success story with us. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a success story, but um, yeah, we set up a live video stream of the uh, the political debates this year during the student union elections. Um, and we were doing like live tracking everything. And it's, again, it, it's a question of, is there a market for it? And at this point, one year in, maybe. Um, I in, in this specific case, it's an afternoon where the university actually gives everybody class, uh, the day off for classes. And, um, so that they can go to these debates and become informed. Um, so w- with, and, and that's a matter of, you know, is student pol- politics relevant to students? I won't get into that, but <laughs> that's a whole other show. <laughs> that, that, that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, we did find that we, we got at least some listeners like, uh, or viewers, I guess um, we got about a dozen. I think it peaked at about 15, which considering uh, that we're a student newspaper on a campus of, 30,000 people in a very small part, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. of the country. Um, I guess I'd call it somewhat impressive for a pilot project, but, you know, not not overwhelmingly so. Did you guys really promote the fact that you were doing that, like in the newspaper and online and stuff? We did, yeah. Yeah, we, we advertised it on our front page. Um, we put up banner ads and, yeah, we, we did a lot of, I guess, what you'd call internal advertising. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. That's awesome yeah. that you tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the infrastructure is there now. So yeah. if we want to do something like that in the future, you know, it's just a matter of flipping a switch. Right? Yeah, awesome. Are you seeing that kind of that kind of stuff happening across Canada, Rob? Slowly but surely. I mean, we're really pushing the last couple of years for for more papers to get online and work with new media. And there's a surprising number that like there's a surprising number of student newspapers out there that still don't have a website, that still don't have emails. I mean. No. Yeah, that they don't. Well, you know, <laughs> everybody's girl got their own Gmail, but, you know, yeah. a lot of papers that don't have a designated, you know, uh, the, I don't know, the poll at, uh, at, you know, um, Ameliorist.ca or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, something like That's that. That's interesting. They don't have a, an email. Because uh, I should consult for you guys for money because it's really easy to set up a Google Mail that uses your domain name. That's how the Unknown Studios Mail works. Yeah. We, Cups is the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, super easy and simple but you know what maybe a lot of those papers are like we're going to focus on making outstanding content i don't know i don't know what's going on i think the the bigger reason behind it is i mean like you remember being a student journalist and you know you're at the gateway which is one of the biggest papers in the country yes um you guys had a lot more resources when you're a smaller paper sometimes just getting the print edition out on a weekly or bi-weekly basis you know kind of sucks everything out of uh the people who are involved and hmm. they've just got nothing left so it's you know, trying to make this move to the web, do all this sort of stuff is just a secondary thing. I think it was like that with a lot of <clears throat> even the bigger papers at first. And we're just seeing this lag with a lot of the smaller papers. But we're really trying to push. I mean, I think it's really important for for COP to 
tell our member papers that you need to be getting online. You need to be doing this, um, not only just for the papers themselves, but for the staff at the papers who want to get into journalism. Yeah. Because if their papers aren't training them to work with new media, I don't think they're really doing their jobs, you know, in terms of them getting out and getting a career after. Um, I think COP wouldn't be doing our job if we weren't sort of pushing for this sort of thing. Do you guys, you just mentioned getting a career in journalism. Does COP, I know they didn't back in the day, but do you guys keep statistics on, like, member, uh, individuals at member papers who go on to careers in journalism? We don't. Uh, it can be tough sometimes with the flow of information yeah. between the papers and the organization. Uh, you know, we, we have, have an alumni sign up on the website that we we try and encourage people to sign up for so that we can keep track over the years and hopefully they'll come back and speak at conferences for free eventually. <laughs> so any any of our listeners who used to work in a student newspaper that was a, a Canadian University Press member, uh, go to cup.ca, sign up to be an alumni if you haven't. I don't think I have. Have you, Scott? No. You should. I didn't know such a thing existed. There you go. Actually, can they wait um, two weeks the, yes. when the new wire launched, the new website launched, and it's down right now? Oh, so not how about at the beginning of February, <laughs> go to cup.ca and sign up. To <laughs> That's funny. Uh, technology. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Apocalypse Cow, Edmonton's a cappella ninjas, have been entertaining audiences for 12 years. But now one of Cow's members is moving on. Come say goodbye to baritone Gil Barber at the Old Strathcona Performing Arts Centre on Friday, February 5th. Tickets are just $15. For more information or to buy tickets, call 780-439-5799 or email kow at telus.net. And we're back. <laughs> yes, we are. And now we're going to talk about other stuff, including this conference that you're planning. What's it called, Mike? It's called Natural Selection. And why is it called that? Um, do you want the 10-minute answer? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> when we were sitting around trying to figure out uh, what to what to call the conference and what kind of theme to give it, we you know we we looked at last year's, which was called Upgrade. Okay. And the idea was, you know, media is changing. It's time to start upgrading your stuff you know like get some computers get the internet start doing all this kind of cool stuff with your newspaper right yeah and an email address (laughs) yeah um since then uh we've all kind of made it through the admittedly overhyped media holocaust um you know where everyone was saying newspapers are dying no one's going to get out of this alive um and they were just completely sensationalist about it yeah um so the attitude that we're taking with it is it's not necessarily you know everyone's dying and everything is radically changing it's just hey things are starting to evolve um and you know we we springboarded off the the evolution the the whole darwinian idea and settled on a survival of the fittest kind of thing whereas you know you don't necessarily need to grow another six pairs of wings on your newspaper <laughs> to make a ham-handed analogy there <laughs> yeah um you just have to start adapting intelligently mm-hmm. and you know making smart changes in your paper to keep up with the game smart growth for newspapers I exactly. love it. Now, natural selection, it, to me, sounded kind of ominous. Like, hey, cup member, if you don't come to this, you are screwed. 
It's we a will, bit provocative. Yeah, it is. A, that's exactly right. And the logo is outstanding, by the way. Who designed that? That was me, actually. Very well done. Thank I, you. I really That's like because, uh, little known fact, Mike Kendrick is an artist. Yes. First, and a journalist second. He would not be the editor-in-chief of The Gateway today if he had not sent me a fan letter. A fan years letter. ago, fan he sent me my only ever piece of fan mail <laughs> came from Mike Kendrick, and it was it was short and succinct. It was just like, "Hey man, I read your articles in the Gateway. I agree with what you say. Uh, just wanted to let you know that you know it's good stuff. You should keep it up. I also like your comic. Uh, I I think." Somebody, I don't even think you mentioned that you were an artist in that it was letter. A friend of mine. Actually. Someone else told me, uh, oh, Mike Kendrick, I know that guy. He draws a comic. And I was like, well, then why isn't he here drawing a comic for the paper? So I sent you an email back saying you should come out to an opinion meeting and get your journalism on. And <laughs> this is where it led you. You're welcome. Uh, wow. When I write my autobiography, I'm I will be say a that footnote. the secret of my success <laughs> is Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'll be, like, in the gutter somewhere. <laughs> and just so you know, Mike has been the editor-in-chief for The Gateway going on his second year now. Uh, so Which is a sign of either tenacity or insanity. I think it's a little bit of both. Yep. I'm going to throw that out there. And then he threw a conference in the mix. Hey, Insanity. Just, yeah, and I warned you about this because I did the exact same you thing when me. I was working there. And I was like, you're an idiot. It's... But you know what? At the end of it, you'll be like, this was awesome. It was painful and awesome, and I never want to do it again, but it was awesome. That's how you'll feel. I guarantee it. Now, we know a little bit about Mike's origins in the student press. Rob, you mentioned you worked for the Fulcrum. What did you do there? Um. Oh, God. I did a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of terrible, terrible things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was the news editor there for a couple of years, and when I finished that, I actually stayed on after I graduated uh, as the business manager for the paper. Oh, okay. Um, and from there, I also made the sort of mistake of deciding to coordinate a national conference. And So you were business manager and conference coordinator. Yeah. And when was the, the Fulcrum Conference in Ottawa? Uh, it was the year before last. Okay. And, uh, and did that and then went on straight from there into uh, being president for two years now. Sweet. Wow, that's crazy. So um, uh, natural selection is taking place when exactly, Mike? It starts on the 14th of January, so okay. this upcoming Thursday, and runs until the 18th. So you guys do, uh, it's an annual general meeting for the organization, and it's a it's a professional development conference, yep. all rolled into one. So you get people to come to the AGM by saying they'll get to see Jan Wong doing a speech or something like that. And drink their faces off as well. Well, any it any is student journalist. journalism. Yeah. yeah. Or you don't have to be a student journalist. No, I, admittedly, <laughs> it just journalism. Period. <laughs> Drives people to drink. drinking. <laughs> so, uh, can uh, are there tickets available for daytime sessions for lay people out there? Lay people means average citizens. Uh, we're actually selling uh, tickets to the keynote speeches. Uh, so the evening uh, speeches. We've got, uh, like I had said, we have Jesse Thorne coming in. Uh, we have. Jan Wong, as you had mentioned, uh, Andrew Potter from McLean's, mm -hmm. and Adrian Arsenault from the CBC. Wow, those are some uh, some ringers. Yeah, outstanding. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess I'll do a plug here. Please do, please do. <laughs> uh, for for one of the speakers is ten dollars, and for all four is thirty dollars. Okay. Uh, they go down from the Thursday to the Sunday evenings, and they all start at around seven o'clock. And this is taking place at the Radisson? At the Radisson, Edmonton South. On scenic Calgary Trail, or Gateway Boulevard, depending on which direction you're coming on. It's a nice hotel, though. 
It is a very it nice. Is. It's a courtyard hotel, isn't it? It is. Oh my God, the yeah. shenanigans! And it's you, uh, and it's the home of Edmonton's own Bioware. Ooh, yes. that's true. Now, do you have anyone from Bioware coming to I speak? I do actually. Cool. Uh, I've got their uh, senior PR manager. His name's uh, Matt Atwood. Um, he's going to be coming in and doing a bit of a back and forth with. Uh, Couple alumni, actually, a guy named Jeffrey Simpson. He does. Uh, Jeff Simpson's coming. Jeff Simpson. Yeah. I love Jay Simp. When <laughs> that's that's awesome. The best thing about this conference, listeners, is that uh, because I'm so f- old now, all my friends from Cup are now being invited back to to do <laughs> sessions at Cup. Conferences. It's very cyclical. So I get to see all my old buddies again. This is awesome. So so when's Jeff uh, talking? Uh, Jeff's actually doing a couple of sessions. Um, he's on Friday afternoon, uh, the the one that I was just describing here, they're going to do a back and forth on uh, doing freelancing in tech writing and you know doing video game writing and whatnot, uh, how to deal with PR, especially if you're a smaller newspaper. Um, then after that, uh, Jeff is going to be sitting on a new media discussion panel with a number of other journalists uh, from all across the country. Cool. Uh, and so you've got you've got some some ringers, you got some former alumni, and you got people coming from uh, newspapers across Canada. Yep. Uh, the Globe and Mail, to name one. Uh, what other big papers are people coming from? Is anyone from the Post coming? Do we have anyone from the Post? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Screw I'm, you, I'm the, the Post. I'm the speaker's coordinator, and oh. I can't even keep track. <laughs> By the way, everybody, uh, CanWest is selling its publishing arm, so if you have a couple hundred million dollars and want to buy ten newspapers... Uh, the Edmonton Journal could be yours. Could be yours. And so could the Calgary Herald. Also, um, the Edmonton Journal, wonderful newspaper reading. So when you guys... <laughs> they didn't even pay us for that. So when you guys, when you guys hear news like that... We, I mean, we were talking about the format changing. Newspapers will will not disappear. There will always be media. But but when you and when you hear about Can West divesting its publishing arm, how does that make you feel or think about your chosen profession? It makes me think that their business side has been grotesquely mismanaged. Ooh, I like that provocative. What about you, Rob? Uh, it makes me scared. <laughs> Sorry, not as provocative. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Um, actually, can I take one quick moment? I just wanted to point this out because we've had some confusion over this before. Yes. Natural selection should not be confused with final solution. Those are very different things. <laughs> Who confused that? Uh, I'm not going to name the, oh, the staff this member for, real. for Cup. Yeah, but uh, so I got a very people, angry email. The people at the Gateway, uh, presumably just a bunch of Nazis? Come on. I'm well, not even kidding. <laughs> let's let's be fair. It is Alberta. Nary a Nash goes by without some controversy. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Adam, you had some controversy. I did. When you held a convention. So let me tell you, let me give you a little bit of experience, just, just to be instructive. I mean, Rob's been through this process, so have I. And Mike, I really want to put the fear of gods into you so that you sort of understand what cluster you've gotten yourself into. I'm terrified. Um... Okay, so I was saying before the show started that, first of all, I don't really remember a lot of the conference. Um, By a total fluke, we managed to convince the U of A's student union that they should go in with us to pay for uh, a speaker as part of what something they used to do called the Revolutionary Speaker Series. They'd bring people in every every four months or no, every couple of months uh, for a year and uh, and just get them into to do a, a keynote speech on something. We managed to convince the SU to sponsor the conference um, and help us bring in Lewis Lapham, who at the time was the editor-in-chief of Harper's, one of the biggest left-wing magazines in the United States. And that was kind of a big deal. So I remember I remember Lewis Lapham coming to the conference. I remember going, we did it at the, um, 
the Crown Plaza downtown. So it was it's a big cylindrical hotel with a revolving restaurant at the top. So we'd had breakfast in the revolving restaurant every morning. It was so bourgeois. <laughs> uh, sorry, Scott, I didn't mean to offend you. No offense taken. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we had dinner with Lewis Lapham one night, and um, Ken Alexander, who at the time was the publisher of The Walrus, uh, Canada's left-wing magazine was there too, and he insisted on having dinner with Lewis Lapham with us. So we did this. Uh, Don Iveson was was the business manager of the Gateway, he helped me organize the. Not I shouldn't say he helped me. Don and I worked together to organize the conference because truly, I think Don handled the more technical uh, aspects of the conference, the booking of the hotel, the real logistics, and I was like, let's. I'm going to get speakers for us. We're going to have just some <laughs> outstanding speakers. Um, I used to talk like that. <laughs> Five years ago, uh, Don invited his father, this uh, who's an artist, uh, sculptor, to come for dinner with Louis Lapham. We talked about the oil sands and we talked about all this, all this stuff. So I remember that. I remember buying a couple of extra cases of wine, or maybe just one, because um, we typically the tradition uh, at these conferences you give speakers a thank you gift for coming, the ones that you haven't paid to be there, and that was a bottle of wine during my year, and I understand you're going to do something similar this year. Um, Don and I bought an extra case of wines that we could consume at the end of every night. Not not a, not a case a night. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't remember anything. Um, but uh, I remember running around with like a chicken with my head cut off. I remember actually experiencing something that I think was approaching a panic attack when people would come to me and be like, oh my god, this thing didn't happen that was supposed to happen or so-and-so didn't show up and... and uh, and uh, it was terrifying. But um, what was I going to mention? You had brought something up. <laughs> this whole rambling exchange was uh, Adam getting totally off topic, <laughs> reminiscing about his days as EIC running your, the Nash Convention. Your, I was asking you what <laughs> controversy came up at the uh, oh, convention that yes. you hosted. So every conference that Cup does, traditionally, the, the host newspaper has made a T-shirt. Now, we did Cup 67, I think it yep. was, right? That was that was the year that I planned. Cup 67, the 67th year of Cup, and we called it Scoop. Uh, like, what a scoop, what a story. Ow, I just punched the desk for some reason. But anyways, um, so we designed these T-shirts that were awesome. We thought they were so awesome. It had a traditional page boy uh, holding the newspaper that said Scoop 2005 on it, and, you know, he almost looks like... Uh, the, the character from Monopoly is similar style. Of course, uh, we were a bunch of rogues, uh, not unlike Sarah Palin, I think, uh, when it came to running conferences and making newspapers. So we didn't give much thought to the... Well, no, I shouldn't say we didn't give much thought to the design of the, uh, the logo. However, when it was printed on a T-shirt, the use of, shall we say, negative space made the page boy look like he was wearing blackface. <laughs> Uh, uh, absolutely, completely unintentional, 100%, obviously. Um, and at the time, I was indignant when we were accused of this, naturally. Uh, why the hell would we do something like that? Uh, we're not racists and all that stuff. But, you know, upon sobering second thought years down the road, yeah, it does kind of look that way. But we were accused of this, and it just turned into this big controversy because one of the member papers went back to their city and wrote an article about it, like an, uh, an editorial about how the Gateway was racist. Or I can't remember if it was if it was just the Gateway that was racist or if that meant that every single Albertan also was racist. But that was the big controversy from uh, when uh, we planned the conference. An unfortunate 
use of, of negative space. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> never thought we'd be talking about this again. See, At I least of all publishing it. I remember uh, that reaching all the way out to the fulcrum because uh, the Nash, or sorry, the Cup listserv, the listserv that all the members of Canadian University yes. Press were on, were on fire. And I was a new news editor at that time sitting there being like, what is going on? I vaguely and, remember that. Yeah. Again, something that I have probably banished from my memory because of the psychological trauma that it caused. So assume I've seen your logo. It's not racist. I hope not. Assuming it prints nicely on your T-shirts. <laughs> Uh, you should be okay. <laughs> that bird might be wearing blackface. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's interested, by the way, in in finding out more about the conference, where can they go, Mike? Uh, that's cup.ca/slash/natural-selection. Sweet, fantastic birds, blackface. Yeah. Do we I, have uh, Do we have any other final parting words about student journalism that we want to touch on? It's safe. I think we're okay. In your capable hands, guys. We're doing our best. <laughs> would you would you encourage young Canadians, our our youth demographic of our twenties of listeners, so our twos of youths? Uh, <laughs> is that is that the general population percentage? I assume so. I just that I pulled that number completely out of my ass. If you are listening to this podcast, I hope that you're over fourteen because it's listed as explicit. It's true, but uh, for our youth demographic who are looking to enter university, would you? recommend to them would you say it is a rewarding experience to get involved with their student newspaper and to pursue journalism loaded question but go ahead and answer <laughs> well i can't speak for rob but i can certainly speak for many of my staff at the gateway and myself included uh getting into the gateway specifically but just student journalism has been hands down the greatest choice that i've ever made in my life not just my college career but probably in the 23 years that I've graced this green earth. <laughs> I don't know about graced, Michael. I think you're pushing it. I'm pretty graceful. <laughs> what about you, Rob? No, I, I seriously, I do think that as many people as, as you know, have an interest in, in journalism should get involved in the student press. And I mean, it teaches you things that you're not going to learn in school, uh, mostly because somebody's going to sit you down at a computer and say, oh, hey, you're an editor now. You have to do all this stuff in this short amount of time. Yeah. And, you know, you can't learn that at you know, Taco Bell working. Um, that know. said, you will be working at Taco Bell while you're doing this because yes. it's student journalism. <laughs> yeah, they don't really pay you a lot. I remember making very, I, I made enough money to pay my rent and then I had half my salary left, left over. I think I begged my parents for money a lot when I was working <laughs> at the Gateway. Has, has the uh, the pay rate changed? Is it is it still a, a quote-unquote livable wage where livable well, means it's, sustenance living only? It's indexed to CPI, if that's what you mean. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that changed when we became autonomous, I think. Or no, 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 it was before that. Yeah, we were like, no, you need to index people's salaries to CPI. Otherwise, we're all going to be in the poorhouse, even yep. though you already aren't. So if anyone needs to uh, donate money, Michael's email address is eic at gateway.ualberta.ca. Um, did you go to journalism school, Rob? No. Will you go to journalism school? No. You don't think it's necessary to, to do what you want to do? Well, to tell you the truth, uh, I haven't been a, a journalist in a while. Um, I sort of, you know, after my stint as news editor and getting into business management, I, I find myself over on, you know, the dark side of journalism working as, um, you know, in the trenches. No, man. The dark side of journalism is PR. Trust yeah. me. Every former journalist who does PR now says that. What about you, Mike? Uh, I 
haven't, and I don't know. If I do, I'll probably be 30 by the time I reach J school with the way that I'm going. But. <laughs> Sweet. All right, I just wanted to ask because this is a perennial debate among student journalists whether or not to go and pursue a, a journalism degree. There was one thing I was going to ask, but I don't remember what it is now. Nope, it's gone. I think this is a safe time to whip out your Fast 15 <laughs> on these two fine gentlemen. That's never going to sound right. To just spray your Fast 15 all over them. <laughs> Some hot Fast 15. Uh, it's actually, um, I, I know that Mike has listened to the show. I, I get the sense that he doesn't all the time, which is just egregious. I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. But we do this thing at the, end of the, at the end of every show when we have a guest on, Rob. It's called the Fast 15, and I just ask them 15 random questions, the first 13 of which are standard across the board for all our guests. And I ask two wild cards. Is this a word association? No. Bananas. Correct. But also, uh, when there's two of you, we do a Fast 16 so that you each get... Uh, two wild cards. Starting with Mike, your first question is your favorite food. <laughs> In fa- I don't want to say cheeseburgers because I'm on a diet now. You can still have cheeseburgers as your favorite food and be on a diet. <laughs> That's true. You just can't eat the f- cheeseburger. Yeah. Cheeseburgers? Yeah, yeah, let's go with the cheeseburgers that I can't eat anymore. All right, Rob, your favorite color? Uh, blue. Uh, Mike, Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. Rob, dogs or cats? Dogs. Mike, what was your first vehicle? Uh, 94 Ford Escort. Nice. <laughs> Rob, your favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. Mike, your favorite sport? Hockey. Rob, your favorite pastime? Um, I'm cup president. I don't have time for pastimes. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Mike, your favorite music at this particular moment? Hip-hop. Okay. Uh, Rob, your favorite movie? Um... Favorite movie? Probably the Philadelphia Story. I haven't seen that one. Mike, uh, Scott, have you seen that one? Uh, it's a long time ago. Okay. Mike, the movie that you hate, but everyone else seems to love. Heathers. Oh, yeah, I don't really like that movie either. Rob, um, one movie that you get made fun of for loving. Um, uh, can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Our first wild card for Mike. Mike, what's been one of the biggest challenges cha- uh, planning the Cup Conference this year? <clears throat> Time management and keeping sane. Yeah. Yeah. They have drugs for that. Yeah. They're not um, legal, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rob, so far, what will you remember most from being president of Cup? Um, probably conferences. Honestly, just getting to meet everyone and and put faces to names and you know the the great vibe you get throughout the week is that everybody sort of comes together and yeah right and don't forget uh listeners that cup doesn't just do a national conference they host regional conferences across the country throughout the year so if you're a student at university go and sign up and volunteer for your student newspaper and if they're not members of cup encourage them to join next wild card question mike i thought i'd tailor this a little bit to you who is your favorite Star Wars bounty hunter, but you can't say Boba Fett? Dengar. Why is that? Is he the dude? He was a dude, he, not he, a robot. He's the guy with the the, the face bandages. Yeah. 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 Um, he's apparently the guy who, in the extended universe, helped 
Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc pit? Because he totally survived. Yeah, you don't just fall into a Sarlacc pit. Not when your name starts with a B and ends with an Oba Fett. (laughs) True story. And our last wildcard question for Rob. If you had to wrestle either a shark or a bear in their natural habitat, which would you rather wrestle and why? I would probably take the bear. Um, You know, when you're in water... Uh, you can never see the shark coming. It's their natural habitat. You know, they have a, a mastery of the ocean that man has not quite achieved. True. You know, with a bear, you know, I can at least see the surroundings. I have a better idea of what's going on. And, you know, there is the chance that I could run away. <laughs> no, you bear. have to wrestle the bear. That's what the question says. It doesn't say if you could run away from any animal in their natural habitat. But anyways, you say bear. Okay, I, I could also <laughs> add that, you know, I... I'm unaware where a shark's testicles are, but I know where bears are and I could kick them. (laughs) A fair comment. That's it for the Fast 16 this episode. Thank you, gentlemen. What's what's coming up next time? Next podcast, we will have local broadcaster Jeremy Lai on the show. Jeremy Lai is a journalist who works for iNews 880. He's uh, reported from war zones before. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about what it's like to be a journalist when bullets are whizzing past your head. Very topical. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, that'll be a, definitely an interesting conversation that you will want to tune in for. So do it. Did we talk about Star Trek? Yes. I mentioned Data being a mandroid, and everyone looked at me like I was a f***ing idiot. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> really? Star Wars is better. Oh, <laughs> we you are not there. doing this right now. We are not. All right, once again, thanks, Mike, Rom, for joining us on the show, taking and some time out of your busy, busy schedules, busy, especially busy. right now. And, and good luck at the conference, guys. Uh, actually, Scott and I are giving a little session there, so uh, we look forward to being part of it, and we're glad that you guys invited us along. And we're looking forward to the wine we'll get for doing it. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you, guys. And before I forget about it, because if I do forget, my head is going to be on a platter, I definitely owe some thanks to my conference co-coordinator, uh, Asha Skudlerik. She's our uh, business manager at the Gateway. Uh, We've been double-teaming this conference the same way that uh, you and Don did, and I definitely (laughs) couldn't have survived We took that conference from behind and gave it what for. (laughs) We really did. All right, uh, shout-out to Asha. Thank you very much for helping these guys and Cup plan the conference. Right on. Thanks. Sweet. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 15. Our guests, Rob Fishbook and Michael Kendrick, our topic, student journalism, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. I would probably take the bear. You have to wrestle the bear. Fight! Finish him!